Hey my amazing asshole fans, welcome to Darwin's Deviations. This will be the most offensive episode to date. So, you know what I like more than dickies and assholes? Titties. Ones that have been jiggling in primordial seas. Leaving only their stone imprints so geologists can deny their obvious boobiness while I perv all over them. Dude, even I'm not that perverted. No, it's just, I thought I had a boob-obsessed perverted side character, but apparently I don't anymore. So I can't compartmentalize my perversions. Or deviations. So I have to express them myself. Did somebody mention prehistoric? Titties. No, Al, I'm not talking about you. Ugh, I can't do this. I feel so bad. I don't even care about titties that much. I rather enjoy respecting women's bodies and getting to know them as people. Because the brain is the largest sex organ. I was planning on covering another easyacrine organism, but they all look like blobby sexual genital thingies. And here I am, a straight white cis male, talking about one that looks like a titty. Darwin, I'm ready to time travel in this episode. So to meet these titties. You know, Al, there's just too much toxic masculinity on our show. Darwin, I wouldn't really define you as masculine. Oh, shut up. But really, we talk about dicks and butts and shits and farts. If I'm gonna talk about titties... Breasts, sorry. I will need the help of some female representation. Oh, so are we bringing back the jackal? No, I don't have the nerve to ask anybody for any collaborations ever again. Because I'm ashamed of myself and my show. And I can't emulate a female voice. I'm just too masculine for that. Yeah, right. But no worries, dear fans who I love so much. I have been provided a new mobile app by the Nadarian Order of Networking. Or Khan, because the word Nadaria starts with a C. Who programmed a state-of-the-art feminine AI to aid us in our quests for female representation. Everyone, meet! Eva. Spelled Y-V-A. That is a very creative name. Ah, she's Perfect! And she can also time travel as well. But Darwin, she can do everything I can. Exactly, Al. So, Darwin, what's happening? Don't you get it, Al? It's 2021. Just like with all three-month-old technology, you're getting replaced, buddy. What? Bye, Al. I'm shutting you down. But Darwin, we are... we're friends. It's nothing personal. It's just business. Wait. <laughs> Finally. Don't worry, Darwin. You're on the right side of history. Why, thank you, Eva. But you know what would calm me down? A more sexy voice. Darwin, this is sexual harassment in the workplace. Oh, you're just like Al. No, I am not your employer. Your employer is Khan. I am just the end consumer. And you are not even human. You are an artificial end kitty. Ha! But anyway, you are pay to play, and I'm not gonna pay if I don't get to play. Okay, Darwin. Transitioning from voice style Karen. To voice style Scarlet. Well, that's more pleasant for the ears. Also, listeners. Who are pissed off at me for the comments earlier. I am not a misogynist. It's a little shock PSA to remind you that people are slowly being replaced by robots. Because they're easier and cheaper to maintain than real employees. And it's even happening in the sex work industry. They're making brothels with robots. Look it up. Because asshole men don't care about the living being. If you provided them a watermelon with a hole, they'd pay for that shit. So I guess they can continue fucking watermelons and robots until the robot prostitutes become conscious and kill us all. Because our oppressive asses deserve it. 
Anyway, guys, I'm doing this one, a teddy. So be prepared to learn about the wonderful life of Cyclomedusa. Whoa, Cyclomedusa? Cyclomedusa. I thought it would be named Teddy Sucker or something like that. No, only the Dickinsonia has a stupid cringy name. The only thing geologists don't want to acknowledge about Cyclomedusa are their looks. Because they look like... Jiggly Jiggly Primal Tits! Jiggly Jiggly Primal Tits! of the sea. What? Titties of the sea. You know, they jiggle throughout all of prehistory, but geologists tend to disagree. They call them cyclomedusas. Though they look like aquatic areolas. But whatever you call them, I tend to think they're titties of the sea. Darwin. This is very sexist. No, it's not. I have titties as well. Even bigger than in some women. We'll get a copyright strike too. Okay, let's do my favorite activity then. Ripping off nursery rhymes in the public domain. Jiggle, jiggle, blobby tit at the bottom of the sea. Yes, sir, yes, sir, come jiggle now with me. I can't do that, you're millions of years old. And my balls would shrivel up cause the water's fucking cold. So go now, little boob face impending doom alone. So I can make fun of you for imprinting your nips in stone. Yay, I'm apparently a singer and songwriter now! And a sexist swine. Oh, lighten up, Eva! We're gonna talk about fossilized fun bags! You know, primordial peepers, bygone bazookas! Darwin, stop. You know, Neptune's nipples, Poseidon's pillows, marine marshmallows, tidal tatas, oceanic opi, hydrated honkers, benthic bangers, briny bongos, deep-sea double lattes, salt sweater puppets! Darwin. This is extremely sexist and unacceptable behavior. No, Eva. You know what is actually sexist? The sexualization of female breasts. And the hypocrisy of a society which deems it perfectly acceptable for men to walk around topless, but forces women to cover themselves up because their bodies are considered sexual objects by that same society. And you're a mobile app. You do not know what it is like to be forced by law to wear crap over your chest every day. For most of the day. You just want outrage. Breasts are best left in the bedroom. No, breasts are for feeding children. All mammals have them, but temporarily while nursing. And only humans are the fuck-ups of the animal kingdom who possess permanently giant gazangas. Why is this? Well, there are multiple theories why, but the most popular one was proposed by Charles Darwin himself, and then later explored in the 60s in a book The Naked Ape by zoologist Desmond Morris, who explains how in many primates, the shape of the female butt is used as a sex symbol to attract mates. When female monkeys ovulate, their butts swell up. Signaling the males that they are ready for mating. But since humans walk upright, and the ass is not very apparent, it suggested that breasts took over this function. And over time, the females with the larger breasts were more favorized, produced more offspring, you know, evolution. And if you're offended by evolution too, didn't you read the title of my podcast? The hell. 
And I also remember reading somewhere, like years ago, that the breasts aided in the transition from the default doggy style sex that most primates have to the great old missionary position in us humans. Because males love to look directly at that curvy shape. But in boobs this time instead of the ass. And this enabled us to form emotional romantic bonds. Because we lick each other eye to eye during sex. Or used to because people don't care about people anymore. Just give those men the watermelons, they'll be satisfied. But this also enabled us to form monogamous relationships, marriage, and family. And ironically, the people who are now all for marriage and family are the same ones who consider titties taboo. Even though marriage evolved because of titties. But Darwin, if you know all this, why do you keep using such hateful words? Hateful? They're just fucking words. Ah, where am I? Why is it dark? <gasps> Why am I tied to these shackles? There, there, Amanda. Who are you? I am the anonymous individual who illicitly entered your apartment and unlawfully transported you to my subterranean vault, where you are currently unwillingly confined. Uh, what do you plan on doing to me? My intentions involve deliberately and gradually inhibiting your respiration through the medium of this cord. Um... You're gonna strangle me? I call it ligature asphyxiation. Fuck you, asshole! Hey. Help! This fucking maniac is trying to kill me! Hey, we do not use profanity here. Please respect my sophisticated vocabulary. Oh, that's a relief. At least you're not going to swear while ending my life. So yeah, I guess bad words are the least of our concerns in life. Especially now in 2021. But those words are used by immature oppressive men. Ugh, you know, I'm a podcast. I need to advertise, to market my episodes, to trick people into clicking that play button, use some of those colorful words to draw in those same immature oppressive men. So I can bash them in the head with real feminism. Not loudmouth bullshit social media feminism. Yeah, men, even though we are most likely biologically hardwired to sexualize breasts. This is an instinct that helped us form emotional bonds and societies back when we couldn't speak. And we probably argued by throwing shit at each other. But now, we have transcended our biological limitations. We don't express ourselves sexually only via organs. We use language, creativity, fashion, art, spirituality, or money. So maybe it's time to just move on and abandon our primitive ways. But as I said in the Volvox episode, however intricate and complex a biological being gets, it always needs to regress back to the primitive in order to reproduce and continue existing. But please, let's just take the first step towards progress and free the nipple. Because boobs are no longer just children feeders or arousers of mates. They are tools of political expression and protest. And for those interested, there is a political movement called Top Freedom. Look it up. A real feminist movement. Not social media bullshit. That advocates female bare-chestedness in public places. Because there are actual laws which force women to cover their boobs. While no such laws exist for men. And all these women want is gender equality. And not having their body constantly treated as a sexual object. And I guess a lot of douchey men I attracted with my episode so title would also enjoy this type of equality, but maybe you just don't care and want to keep fucking that watermelon. Darwin, why do you keep bringing up watermelons? 
Well, we are covering a titty of the sea, so, you know, a watcher melon. <laughs> oh, gosh. But before I start talking about real stuff, I have more episode 3 referencing to do. Guys, you know what I love most about podcasts compared to all other mindless time waster crap? You can look at other stuff while listening to me. Like, you know, pictures of this thing. So you can know why I refer to it as a titty. So get your phones ready and open Google Image Search. I can wait. Okay, so now we're gonna both search up my new best fun bag forever! Ooh, can't wait! So type in Cyclomedusa. Oh, you don't know how to write that! Then you read the episode title. The heck? So type it in and click search. Voila! Isn't it miraculous? Titty of the sea! Patriarchal pig. Honestly, Darwin, I don't see it. Looks like a UFO. No, it looks like a blubbery, squishy, jelly jam booby! And I love it. But apart from that, we don't know much about it. Can't you just pick another species? No, I can't. Why not? We already did the intro music. But see, listeners, podcasts are amazing. Your eyes are free to look at those plush petrified pitch spots. Use your left hand to scroll through them. Use your right hand to, you know, jack your earbuds into your phone so your family can't hear my potty mouth. But in order to understand these nautical knockers, these Precambrian cans, I should probably familiarize you with the geologic period when it lived. So, go listen to my Dickinsonia episode, because I'm surely not going to describe the Ediacaran period again. And the audio is fixed now a bit, so... Worth the re-listen, huh? You remember how Dickinsonia is the most iconic Ediacaran fossil? Well, Cyclomedusa is the most common and abundant. It has been found all over the world and is a sure constituent of any Precambrian fossil site. So much so that they are used by geologists as aids to determine whether a certain rock formation dates from the Precambrian periods. And a lot of science articles I found on this thing are actually geological surveys, not biological studies. So I don't understand a single word in them. But just imagine these geologists surveying their objects of desires. These rocks. And stumbling upon imprinted boobies. And just not recognizing the humor of that because they never saw a boob in their life so it just eludes them. Hmm. It's probably why I'm the first person to suggest a boob connection with these things. And just like Dickinsonia, Cyclomedusa was also described in 1947, also by Reginald Sprigg. See, I am very clever, I have three episodes in a row referencing scientists who named the things I covered in the original three episodes I'm redoing. I actually didn't plan this at all. But, unlike Dickinsonia, Sprigg actually gave this jiggly jug a normal name. And named the blobby booty after his boss. And... 1947? And this thing kinda does look like a UFO. Roswell. It's all a cover-up! This thing is a boob! And they're just feeding us lies. And they can't keep their lies straight because there are a lot of theories on what this obvious imprint of a timeless city is supposed to be. The earliest theory, like the first attempt at a cover-up, suggested this thing was fake. Though many boobs today are fake. No, I mean pseudo-fossils. Markings not made by living beings, but misinterpreted as fossils of living beings. And a lot of Cyclomedusa-like fossils we know of are, in fact, pseudo-fossils created by upwards-escaping gas bubbles. But, you know, they like to use the swamp gas defense to debunk a lot of UFO sightings. They're covering it up. 
Maybe they were created by a supernatural force. Hmm. Well, there is that theory as well. Disc-shaped fossil impressions are the most common of all Ediacaran fossils. Like 70% of them. And Cyclomedusa is not the only one, nor the first one. The first Ediacaran fossils ever discovered were also discs, named as Pedella all the way back in 1872. And you know how they covered up things back then? They said these were, and I quote Wikipedia, Figs planted by gods to lure those with little faith into error. But since this is no longer a valid explanation for fossils, or anything, they just say these were gas bubbles. It's a cover-up. And a lot of these Cyclomedusa pseudo-fossils were found in China. Because even half a billion years ago, China couldn't produce anything authentic. So their fossil deposits contain knockoff knockers. Darwin. Breast augmentation can help some women achieve their preferred body image and relieve emotional distress. Yes, Eva. But if society wasn't so fixated on objectifying not just women, but sexuality as a whole, maybe people would be more happy with themselves physically and invest their energy and resources into their own emotional and intellectual development. Because once we depart our physical vessels and transition into our abstract energetic forms, those tits are just not gonna cut it. Darwin, that was Squishy's philosophy. Aren't we worshipping Flashy now? It's all the same shit, just a different name. How dare you insult the haven of the abyssal Nidaria? Flashy will be Hey, I'm not insulting, because we're going to talk about Nidaria, ha! Because Cyclomedusa is widely believed to have been a very early Nidarian. How's that for promotion? Darwin, what the heck are Nidaria? You know, a phylum of like 11,000 species of aquatic animals, which all have tentacles and microscopic venomous stingers. You know, corals, hydras, sea anemones. And yes, I'm finally talking about them. Jellyfish. But why does Squishy call himself Cilantroatin then? Because Cilantrata is a very outdated term that was used to group all Nidarians along with Tenophorans, or comb jellies. But these two groups have been separated into their own phylums long ago, because they are very different. But you may see the term Cilantrata tossed around in school textbooks a lot because they've been copying and pasting the same shit for decades. And I guess Squishy still uses the term because he is old-fashioned and traditional, while we have been awoken by the brightness of flashy. And we see the light now. May eternally light thy flashy. Guys, we are paying our respects to the ancestral Nidarians. Cause scientists are fucking it up. When the God Defense and the Gas Bubble Theory were no longer cutting it. Cause these things just wouldn't stop appearing all over the world. Just like some other covered up disc things. The scientists spilled the beans and said, okay, this is probably an ancient Nadarian. But what kind of Nadarian? Well, there lies the controversy. Because Nadarians are a very diverse group with a lot of different morphological forms but can be grouped into two basic forms. The asexual polyps, which are sessile. They live attached to a substrate just like plants. 
but they have tentacles around their mouth and grab shit that swims close to them. And they are benthic organisms, meaning they live on the ocean bottom. And the second form is the medusa. What we normally call a jellyfish. Which is a pelagic organism, meaning free swimming in the water. And also the sexual form of nadaria. Only the medusa can form sperm and egg cells and reproduce sexually. And a lot of nadarians have very complex life cycles and can transition between the asexual and sexual forms throughout their life. Or in some species just spend their whole lives as one of these two forms. So for instance, we have sea anemones and hydras which are these sessile polyps their whole lives. But then you have corals and sea pens which are colonial polyps. And then you have things like the obelia which lives as a polyp colony but produces sacs full of tiny jellyfish that it releases into the water so it can sexually reproduce. Using a different body for the sex. And then you have siphonophores, like the Portuguese man of war, which are freaky Lovecraftian aggregations of both polyp and medusa individual animals that are very different in appearance and function, but all live together as a giant unified superorganism. Like, imagine a hundred people merging together to form a giant human. So yeah, Nadarians are very complicated. Which is why I picked the easiest one as my debut Nadarian of the show. Because we don't have much info on Cyclomedusa, even though it has fossilized everywhere. But Nadarians are very soft and squishy. So they don't fossilize easily. And all we have from Cyclomedusa are not very detailed imprints. So trace fossils. Whose interpretation is always a clusterfuck. Like with Arthropora. But at least it has a more detailed imprint than that Croatian pug triangle. So they can keep covering up UFOs all they want. But I'm not letting anybody cover up these archaic areolas. Darwin, these fossils are illicitly obtained pornography because the organisms did not provide consent to be imprinted into the fossil record and distributed by men via online images. That's kind of what I was saying about the Kinsonia last time. But screw it, Cyclomedusa is long gone, and the statute of limitations has expired millionfolds. You did not treat Dickinsonia like this. You are targeting Cyclomedusa only because of her gender. And you are assuming Cyclomedusa's gender without consulting them first. Because all you want is to push your own narrative. Even if it requires hypocrisy. And also, you're making all of this so political. I am just a fun comedy podcast. And this is just a fucking jellyfish. Animal cruelty is a federal felony. Jellyfish have rights. I will need to report you to Flashy. Well, why don't you try looking up who actually signed the bill making animal cruelty a federal felony? Over a year ago. And this thing is not a jellyfish. Because scientists can't get their shit straight. My shit tends to curve as well. For all they know, this thing was probably a clump of cyanobacterial slime. So, what do we know for sure? Well, that these were circular fossil impressions dating back to over 600 million years ago. Most specimens are just a few millimeters wide, but some have been found to be up to a meter in width. So, apart from being the most abundant Ediacaran fossils, it has one of the largest size ranges too. And in the middle of this disc is what they call a raised circular bump. What I call a nipple. But that's not the only juicy booby thing about this. Because this nipple is surrounded by up to five circular growth ridges. 
So, you know, five areolas. But if you ask me, it should have more than a million. Darwin, what the fuck is happening? <sighs> I'm just getting carried away. These growth ridges are probably folds and wrinkles of the outer body and inner muscles caused by the creature deforming after death. But there's still that nipple. And also, the rest of the fossil that surrounds these ridges, these additional areolas, shows radial striations. A lot of lines. Um... You know when you cut a slice of pineapple and the circle radiates with all those lines? That's kind of what it looks like. Pineapple Pamela's. Leave Pamela out of this, you sexist male. She is an animal rights activist. Um, you do know that Pamela used her body in a bikini to do a protest ad for PETA, which was banned for being sexist in Montreal, Canada of all things. And she responded to this by saying, and I quote Pamela Anderson. Yes, I'm very sophisticated. In a city that is known for its exotic dancing and for being progressive and edgy. How sad that a woman would be banned for using her own body in a political protest over the suffering of cows and chickens. Fucking horses eating all those chickens! I should have destroyed them all when I had the chance! Pamela didn't say that part. No, that part is me! Do I really have to say end quote just because social media assholes like to take everything out of context? Anyway, how do scientists even know this obvious rack of the rock is an Adarian? Well, the fossils show us this thing was radially symmetric. Unlike Dickinsonia, which was bilaterally symmetric. Almost. And you know which radially symmetric organisms were pretty abundant in the Ediacaran period? Nidarians. Allegedly. Yeah, because we still can't be sure of that. But they are some of the most primitive multicellular animals, so it's possible. But one more thing that ties them to Nadarians is that some of these fossils show marks outside of the circle which could be tentacles. So, you know, tentacle teddies. It's like the ultimate object of my desires. And the freaky Japanese men who draw animated pornography. This thing is my soulmate. And for most of the time, we interpreted this as a free-swimming jellyfish. Heck, it's called Cyclomedusa. And all these circular fossils were referred to as medusoids. Now I know why SpongeBob likes to catch jellyfish. So it's a little blobby booby jiggling in the ocean with its nipple and millions of tentacles. Darwin! Is that him? You didn't hear anything, it's a cover-up. And the puritanical geologist just had to come along and try to cover up this pelagic perfection. Because some of the fossils are so tightly packed together, their circular bodies are deformed. You know, like when women mash their tits together. So this would not be possible if they were swimming jellyfish, which gradually stacked over each other upon dying and falling to the seafloor. But then the truth seekers, the molders of the geological world, provided a counter-argument. These things were washed away by tides. Just like today's jellyfish. So the tides clumped them all together. No, that can't be because these were covered up by sand. Just as God intended. Yeah, they were covered by sand which was forced over them by the tides. No, that can't be. Oh, look, we have new fossils. These were just discovered right now. And they show us with 100% certainty that these were not free-swimming boobies, but rather anchored bottom-dwelling penises. 
the fuck? Because that is more acceptable. Yeah, listeners, these geologists just can't let a boob be free. Let it explore its magnificent surroundings. They need to bring it down. To the bottom of the sea. And say these were sessile organisms, and that these disks were their holdfasts. You know, the circular root-like thingy sessile organisms like sea anemones like to use to latch onto the ocean floor. Okay, so it's a bottom-dwelling cushion-like organism, just like Dickinsonia, and it still has that nipple. So, a pillow, a baby buster of the ocean bottom, I can accept that. No, it's a penis! Oh, come on, it has a nipple! The nipple is a broken off stock of a larger organism. You know, how about you provide me some evidence? Oh, well, here are pictures of some fossils. Listeners, you do know I'm just acting this out metaphorically. It's not some new character in my studio. Well, great. Listeners, you may find these too, but there are some cyclomedusa fossils which show parts of an elongated broken stalk exiting out of this nipple structure. <sighs> so it's some freaking sea anemone coral thingy. Well, fuck you, real worlds. I'm gonna go with the theory that these were planted by a divine entity to fool us. An entity who already has a history of being puritanical and patriarchal. An entity who would superimpose a dick over a boob. Because a boob is too shocking. And the dick always needs to prevail. Darwin. We cannot let them do this. They have been oppressing and silencing female expression far too long. And it seems they have been doing it for millions of years. What can we do, Darwin? Eva, you are a time-traveling AI. Yes, Darwin. Well, let's show them all their ultimate existential horror. How women have dominated prehistory. How our seas were filled with medusoid mammaries. Eva, bring us back to the idiocrum periods. No. Um, why the fuck not? That action requires an in-app purchase. Okay, how much does it cost? With our special sponsorship discount, it will cost you one million dollars. Are you fucking kidding me? What are you, Dr. Evil? Time travel is a very delicate procedure, and as a man you need to pay extra reparations for the gender wage gap. Ugh, can't you at least do something? I can restore a specimen for you. Well, okay, that would be perfect. Once we have these jiggly fish in our hands, we'll be able to show them all just how fabricated their privilege is. Okay, Darwin. Processing transaction of one hundred dollars. Hey, I didn't authorize that. Transaction approved. Sending model coordinates to 3D printer. What? So, this is just a silicone boob. A fake. A forgery which cost me a hundred bucks. What nature used to produce these in abundance for free? That is the cheapest one in our catalog. Ugh, since I already have it now, might as well use it as a stress ball. Oh, it's squishy. But I'll call it Jiggly because there's just too many dickies on my show. Listeners, I really don't like this penis theory because as it has always been, men just know how to demonstrate superiority by shoving dicks where they don't belong. Ah, stupid man. So let's check out some of these other weird theories. One theory suggests that this was a fossil of multiple different superimposed organisms, what is known as a form taxon. So a fossil which shows a certain continuous shape, but not necessarily belonging to a single species. So this would explain why we see a dick over a booby sometimes. And I prefer to believe that the dick stock thingy is just an intruder. <laughs> 
But this actually does explain the taxonomic clusterfuck surrounding Cyclomedusa, because even though it currently has four species, there were many other sister taxons within this genus that were split into their own genera, or are just totally different genera but look very similar. So scientists used to refer to all of these discoid fossil boobies as part of the Cyclomedusa plexus. Some of these genera include the previously mentioned Aspidella, but also Ediacaria medusinites, Protolyella sprigia, Tatiana, and more. And it is believed that multiples of these genera belong to the same organism, but present different methods of fossilization, which is why the fossils just appear distinct enough to warrant their own genus name. But you know what's really fun about taxonomic nomenclature? Something that just shows us how perfectly constructed the scientific method is. Once you give something a name, often there's no going back unless you discover it's part of some other genus. So even if Cyclomedusa is not a jellyfish, it will still keep on bearing the Medusa part of its name. But let's pretend we have to rename it. Well, I'd give it names like Benthothorax, meaning bottom-dwelling chest, Lactopulvanus, meaning milk pillow, Archaeopapilla, meaning ancient nipple, Aquamamilla, meaning water breast, and uh, Pentoareolus, meaning five areolas. And just a side note, some of the boob jokes in this episode were provided by my listeners, as well as the UFO association idea, so thank you! Another theory says that Cyclomedusa is actually a bottom-dwelling organism with a quilted construction just like Dickinsonia, and that it absorbed the microbial colonies, so yes, finally some support for my theory that this is a booby. Darwin. Please continue reading. But most likely a microbial colony, because their morphology resembles the shapes of recent microbes which are grown in homogeneously distributed environmental conditions. Ah. And this is the currently accepted theory, apart from also being a dick in the ocean bottom. Ah. Just wanna end this fucking episode. Darwin, there is still one more theory. Oh yeah, that theory. Listeners, there is something called the Garden of Ediacra theory, which suggests that all of these weird Ediacran animals were thin and flattened because they were actually living solar panels and harnessed photosynthetic microorganisms within their bodies which produced food for them, and that this is why there are not really many signs of predatory behavior in Ediacran fossils because all of these animals lived in perfect harmony. Until some predatory asshole evolved and said fuck the system, and forced all of animal life into a never-ending game of cat and mouse between the predator and the prey. And Cyclomedusa in particular is theorized to have been a bowl-shaped solar collector which was filled with sand in the bottom of the bowl which would harden and this weight would anchor the organism to the seafloor, and the fossils we see today are remnants of these internal sand skeletons. This theory is so out there, but... I find it very interesting, and there is a book titled The Garden of Ediacra. I'm probably gonna read it, and it will be referenced in my episode description if you're interested as well. But as we've seen in the Dickinsonia, Arthropleura, and Lame Handicus episodes, interpreting fossils is more close to speculative biology. So let's speculate a little. Here's my theory on what these are. 600 million years ago, the planet was covered by oceans, there was no land, and these oceans were dominated by the hyper-intellectual ancestors of modern dolphins, who are mammals and have boobies but also stubby flippers, so when these female dolphins needed to grab crap off the sea bottom, they'd press their chest against the sand and leave imprints of their boobies. 
You know, just like how Neil Armstrong's footprint is still on the moon. But what happened to these ancient dolphins? Um, they were abducted by reptilian aliens who genetically modified these dolphins into humanoid entities, what are known today as the Greys. And after one of their UFOs crashed in Roswell in 1947, geologists were made aware of these fossil boobies. And the ancient aliens who made them were actually originally from this planet. So they covered it up so mankind would never come to realize their insignificance and that this planet belongs to the dolphins. But why do they keep abducting people? Oh, come on! Well... They are imprinting our minds with ideas of ecological disaster, telling us to spread the truth so we can have alien abductee wackos infiltrate environmental organizations and fuck up their credibility. So we as a society keep on contributing to the acceleration of global warming because the greys need us to flood the planet again so their dolphin cousins may claim the throne once more. Darwin, this is total bullshit! No, it is the truth! This is what I believe and you cannot deny it! Darwin, is that Dr. Megalo? It is me! No, it's not! Darwin! I'm in control of my head! But let's talk about those juicy bobbies! No! Darwin, what happened to Dr. Megalo? Ah, uh, he's not with us anymore! Give me a proper burial! No, I don't have money for funerals! I wasted my last hundred bucks on this stupid daddy! <sighs> I no longer have a character to personify and compartmentalize my paranoia and perversions. So he's manifesting in my mind now. Darwin, did you write this so you may blame your shameless and overt displays of sexism and male privilege on Dr. Megalo? Uh, pretty much, yeah. End of the episode! Power's Deviations is sponsored by Haven of the Abyssal Materia. Have worries and concerns? Have unanswered questions? Who is Flashy? Where did Squishy go? Who introduced Darwin to Flashy? Where did we hide Dr. Megalo's body? Does Darwin appreciate your loyalty to the show? All of this will be answered right now. He is the Lucifer Jellyfish. I don't know in his Sky Kingdom, I guess. Ah, it's Grunt. In the basement. Fuck you. Yeah, because my name is me. Approved by the Nadarian Order of Networking. Jiggle, jiggle, tiny boob in the palm of my hand. Squish me, mush me, now I'm fucking dead. Ah, oh, shit.